ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Ypulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennials, regularly tracks young consumers' opinions and behaviors around social media. Mary Lee Bliss, Ypulse's VP of Content, is here to discuss what Ypulse's research can tell us. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It sometimes seems like social media has always been around and the behemoths throwing their weight around have always been the power players, but this isn't true. The first social media platform was Six Degrees in 1997, which is conveniently one of the last birth years for the millennial generation. <laughs> Lunar Storm launched in 2000, was ad supported, but then it shuttered in 2010 because it simply didn't have enough activity. So there was this overlap, for instance... Facebook and YouTube launched in 2004 and 2005, respectively. So my point is that even social media is not immune to changing fortunes. And I'm particularly thinking of MySpace right now, which was kind of <laughs> huge. And then I it's think. like, what is that thing? That's why it's important for brands who are looking to connect with young people to track on an ongoing basis how things are evolving. And your team tracks the social media information on an ongoing basis, correct? Absolutely. So why Pulse surveys young consumers across a wide range of topics, including social media use, which we monitor quarterly because there are platforms that are on the rise and there are major platforms that are losing popularity. These things happen faster than ever now and brands need to keep up with it. It's so interesting and people are going to love the information because there's some great nuggets in here. But before we dive into that, what's the population that's covered in the survey? So Wipos recently expanded our uh, surveys to North America. So uh, we are no longer US only, and we also survey young consumers in Canada. And in fact, we're also um, surveying young consumers in Western Europe in preparation for the launch of our Western Europe product on September 1st. So we've been collecting, yeah. So we've been collecting data on Gen Z and millennials in Western Europe and North America. Our North America surveys are fielded among 1,450 13 to 39-year-olds in the U.S. and Canada. Those populations are proportionate to the populations of young consumers in those countries. And each country is nationally representative across age and gender. That's amazing. And so that makes your margin of error what? It's small. It's under 5%. We're looking at really accurate depictions of how young consumers in these countries are behaving, how they're feeling, and a real reflection of their lives. So for listeners who slept through stat class, what this means is if you're looking at two results, if the distance is more than 5%, that's a significant difference. Social media has taken off so powerfully because it taps into some really basic human behaviors. In order to survive in an animal sense, people need to be part of a community early man simply didn't survive very well if they were alone. So when we talk about social media and brands, it's this community and networking through every platform user's sense of their own identity that they're tapping into. But every platform has a purpose for its users and that purpose isn't monolithic. So it's important to understand why people are showing up on a platform in order to meet them in the right way. So first, a lot of adults 
feel very mixed about social platforms and there are a lot of negative views, but how do millennials and Gen Z's feel about social media in general? Yeah, I think this is a really important question because older generations tend to look at social media askance and uh, even if they are using it themselves, tend to blame social media for younger generations flaws you know they're they're isolated because of social media they're uh self-consumed because of social media they're always on their screens because of social media and they're more lonely all of these things they not only are kind of stereotypes that older generations tend to have but also make headlines um there are studies that have claimed some of these things Mm. and young consumers have an awareness of social media's negative aspects. However, the majority have positive feelings and really do think that social media does more good than harm. And how do they feel about, so that's sort of the the fact of social media. How are they emotionally feeling when they're using social media? And this goes to some of those reports about how it makes them feel, but what do they self-report that they are feeling when they're on these platforms? Yeah, the majority are feeling positive things when they're using social media. They feel happy and entertained. It's all goes down to what they're using these platforms for, Um, Mm. which is to feel connected to others, as you said. Right. And is it consistent at this point? Are we consistent between Gen Z and millennials? Is it consistent? Yes. Great. We know they like the platforms and they have the positive feels when they use them, but let's dive in a bit deeper around that, the purpose that they serve globally speaking. And I mean that in the, within the population you're studying, (laughs) not global, global, within the population that you're studying, what's the number one thing that Gen Z is using social media for? Yeah, though both generations use social media and feel positively about it, they are using it differently. Gen Z, the number one reason they use social media is for entertaining content. And the number one reason that millennials are using it is to talk with family and friends and keep up with friends and family's lives. So you have a really significant divide, honestly, Mm -hmm. in terms of what social media means to these generations. Millennials grew up with those platforms that you mentioned are some of them uh, a bit defunct, Um, you know, grew up hand in hand with MySpace and then Facebook. And the purpose of those platforms was to connect with friends and families, was to connect with friends first and foremost. You know, my MySpace had the top eight Facebook, its origins exclusives to students. It was only about your peers. Right. But Gen Z has grown up in a different social media world. For them, social media is about entertainment and they migrate to the platforms that are entertaining to them, which usually means the platforms that are video focused, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. So just to make sure I'm understanding, has it always been the case that millennials were about communicating and keeping tabs with their friends and family, or is that somewhat of an evolution? No, that tracks historically with how they've used social media from, you know, their childhood. You know, that's, that's baked into them as something that they see as the first purpose of social media. That doesn't mean they don't use it for entertaining content. That's number three on their list. And certainly they're picking up uh, use of TikTok uh, along the way, not as quickly as Gen Z, but they tend to think of social media first and foremost as a 
place to connect with their family and friends. Whereas Gen Z has been growing up in this world where social media is there to entertain them. And so that's what they think of social media as first. Hmm. I'd be remiss if we didn't check in and go over the top three social platforms by generation. So let's hit up Gen Z first. Yeah. So for Gen Z, YouTube is number one. This generation grew up on YouTube. It is shaped the way that they seek out media and the kind of content that they want. Number two is Instagram, although actually it is now tied with TikTok as the, the top uh, to into platform that they use. And then Snapchat, which is often still overlooked by many, mm. is number three for Gen Z. And all of those are visual video first platforms. Well, and the other thing that I noticed, and you tell me if this is a significant difference or not, is there's a greater, there's a pretty great distance between these top three and the rest. It's a bit of a barbell situation. Absolutely. Um, And so then if we're looking at millennials, who are the winners in the millennial battle? Yeah. So for millennials, Facebook is still number one. Can't quit it. You know, as I said, they grew up on, on Facebook and using Facebook is baked into their behavior, baked into their habits. Number two for them is YouTube. And they're only 10% behind Gen Z when it comes to YouTube use. So very high, 68% Hmm. of millennials are using YouTube. And then number three is Instagram with 60% of the generation using the platform. Gen Z is a little bit more likely to use Instagram than millennials currently, actually. When we look at Facebook Messenger, that's because it's a separate app. You look at Messenger separate from Facebook. If the function of social media is keeping in touch, Facebook Messenger makes sense to me. However, Facebook Messenger isn't trouncing Facebook. Facebook is number one. And the message function is down sort of fourth or so. So is it keeping in touch through passive viewing slash stalking on Facebook? And then the real conversations are in messenger. What do you make of the messenger Facebook dichotomy? Yeah, I think there are things happening in both for sure. But I think the keeping up with friends and family lives, which is the second highest reason that millennials use social media is probably happening on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And at this point, that chatting, um, which is very important, is happening a lot on Facebook Messenger. Of course, they're also chatting through comments on you know pictures and, and other posts um, on Facebook itself. But the reason- Because there's we, a public-private difference, isn't there? Absolutely. And okay. that's the reason that we- are tracking things like Facebook Messenger, uh, mm. WhatsApp, and mm. other chat apps. Um, it's a it's what we call dark social. So this is where an enormous amount of social networking, if you're being literal about it, uh, is happening. Exchanging information and passing memes and passing uh, articles and passing photos and updates. A lot of that is happening in chat apps, but brands don't have access to that communication. So it it is important to keep tabs on how much they're using those things and to be aware that a lot of their their interactions and their connections are happening in quote unquote dark spaces. Right. Well, Instagram was previously king of the castle. So why, why are we seeing Instagram? Why are we seeing it slide a bit? Well, there's more competition. 
Absolutely. Can't ignore TikTok. Right. And Instagram certainly hasn't ignored TikTok. They've introduced Reels, which is a very close TikTok copycat function. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot uh, to try to ramp up the competition against the app that has blown up in the last two years. So I think competition is a big one. But that said, you know, Instagram's popularity hasn't taken a nosedive um, right. whatsoever. It's it's remained fairly steady. I mean, 64% of Gen Z and 60% of millennials use Instagram. It's still a mono, you know, a monolith. <laughs> and it's but, also where people are doing, if you were thinking about direct retail and engagement in a um, monetizing that engagement, it's it's a winner there, correct? Hugely. It's one of the top platforms when it comes to where they're discovering new products. Um, And certainly the functionalities for shopping through a social platform. So making Mm. purchases directly on it are far more advanced on Instagram than they are on TikTok currently. They're stunningly easy, actually. It's it's dangerously easy for the wallet. (laughs) But before I leave those top players, I want to go back and talk about a social platform that I first heard about when we talked, when we had our last conversation around social media. So it was in the spring and that one is discord. So let's do the name rank serial number for this platform and then dive in a little bit more. Discord should absolutely not be ignored. Discord is a platform that allows users to chat. So, um, you know, it has that chat functionality, but also live stream. And it's about creating communities. Its Mm -hmm. origins are in gaming, where gamers would create chats about the games that they were playing. But the platform is expanding absolutely to be about collaboration and sharing things and having group chats about all kinds of things. So those can be voice chats, as I said, they could be live streams and they could be text chats. And Discord's popularity is is strong. It's especially strong among Gen Z with over a third of Gen Z saying that they use Discord compared to 18% of millennials. And Discord is definitely a great example of how social media is a place where young consumers are finding community. Yeah, exactly. It's really the perfect segue into where I wanted to go next, which is where community and social platforms intersect. And at the top of our conversation, I asked about how young consumers felt about social media. And now I want to drill down a bit into that because how do consumers feel about brands wading into the communities that they build? Do they want it to happen? Do they like it? It's a good question because young consumers are finding community on social media. And I think that's a point that has to be emphasized because social media has this reputation for isolating them. But really, it's one of the top places that they're finding community and finding connection. And that connection is emotional. So they're not just going on social media to share you know, silly things about their lives or to consume silly videos, although those are huge reasons that they're on there. They are also finding real emotional outlets there and connections to people who they might have more in common with than the people that they interact with in real life. Mm. The majority of young people tell us that they're part of an online group. 60% are part of some online group. Some of those are formalized, you know, with uh, something like a Facebook group or a 
private group, but the majority are public and they are part of these groups through following social media accounts, through YouTube comments, through following hashtags and interacting with one, one another through that content. So if they formed this group though, how do they feel about, you know, brands want to connect, brands want to jump in there, but are there landmines? How do they feel about a brand showing up and being like, yo, I'm in your community now. How, how does sure. that work? Well, it has to be done the right way, of course, mm. but our research, Clicking on Community, which is a, an entire trend report we just released about where young people are finding community and the importance of online community to Gen Z and millennials, did find that the majority are open to and want brands to inter- interact with their online groups, especially if they're going to get something fun out of it. Well, let's drill into that. What does that even mean? I mean, can you give an example of a brand that is is doing it and doing it well. Yeah, absolutely. So there are many different ways that brands can connect with online communities, which by the way, include things like fandoms, which are a little bit more intense, um, but you know, are all about unifying around a shared passion, but all online communities and, and social media groups are about those shared passions. And there are lots of different ways that we've seen brands reach out to to these groups and create content products that are specific to them. And in fact, when we ask young consumers, what are the ways that they want brands to connect with an online group or community that they're a part of, the number one way that they want that to be done is to have brands create products that speak to their interests and their passions. Are they then in the community I mean, do they create the brand and the community finds out about it or do they create the brand and and dump it into this online community and then step back? Are they active participants in the community? I, I guess I'm trying to get a little bit into the weeds in terms of in practice. What does that look like? Yeah, it can look many different ways. There's no one cookie cutter way for brands to interact with an online community. There are examples like Glossier, which is a brand that was founded on community. There was a, the blog into the gloss and basically Glossier began creating comments based on the demands of their readers and the requests of their readers. So they were crowdsourcing from their readership and then created an entire brand that really was founded on that community and created merch that is in high demand because people are excited to show that they're part of this, what we would call a brandom. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways as well. Looking at organic activity that's happening online among fans of either your own brand or um, a completely different entity like uh, a show or a movie or a musician. McDonald's is a really great example of creating products that resonate with fandoms and they've been doing it for quite some time. One example is they created or actually it was reintroduced their Szechuan sauce specifically branded for the Rick and Morty fandom. So fans of Rick and Morty were obsessed with this McDonald's Szechuan sauce that had been released in 1998 and they relaunched it because of this obsession um, that they had because of a joke in the show. Not to get too in the weeds about it. Well, but but no, that's important. That's paying attention to the social zeitgeist and if you are mentioned, if something about your brand is mentioned, taking advantage of it. So it needs, so a brand needs to be listening and they need to then be able to be flexible and speedy enough 
to take advantage in a timely fashion. Yeah. And when McDonald's did that, they actually underestimated how popular it was going to be. There were hundreds of fans at locations trying to get this discontinued sauce and they were being sold online for hundreds of dollars on eBay. Um, I can't even. They actually then had a three-part podcast to um, kind of document all of this and to have kind of an apology to the Rick and Morty fandom explaining kind of where where it all went awry. So they really spoke to this audience and it wasn't necessarily a group or a fan community that was about their brand, but they found a way to tap into that organic activity. Would you say there are any critical don'ts, you know, don't tread here. This is a place you need to not go into. Are there any of those out there that brands should be aware of? Well, I think disrupting um, like a private group (laughs) without invitation would be Mm -hmm. a don't. Okay. Yeah. But overall, especially if there is a a brand element to a group that they're organizing around a brand, like for example, the hundreds of Facebook groups that exist around about Peloton, you know, those are almost an open invitation. If you're organizing around your love of a brand, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's sort of the Holy grail for a brand. And then you want to, then you want to engage. If I'm a brand that that doesn't have that, and I want to facilitate a brandum to happen, but I'm listening in social and nobody's mentioning my brand. Let's say I make a cracker and nobody's mentioning my cracker. (laughs) What, where, what, what are the kinds of ways that I can involve myself? You know, you talked about being entertained. Can you provide entertainment and, and can that slide into community? Is that something that works? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, McDonald's is another good example for this. You can create something that is about your brand, or you can tap uh, into something that that young consumers are creating community around already, and kind of um, creatively uh, create products around that. So McDonald's recent celebrity meals, they are basically just borrowing from the fandoms of people like BTS and Travis Scott having, oh, they're called famous orders, actually. They're creating these menu items that are just branded. It's it's all the products that they already have. They're not even creating different menu items. It's just a package like what this person would order if they were at McDonald's. And they have been madly successful. Actually, Travis Scott's meal was credited for turning McDonald's sales around in 2020. That um, is crazy. That is amazing. Popular. The whole campaign went viral on social media, as have the famous orders that they've launched since. And again, it's not that people are organizing around how much they love these specific McDonald's items. McDonald's is producing and providing a kind of uh, product based on these artists who are the ones who have community and fandom around them. And they're engaging in a way that doesn't feel invasive or disruptive to that community. It's fun. There's a wink in there. Exactly. This is so great. What other things should the brand who wants to know what they need to know about where things are with social and how social intersects with community, if they leave this episode 
learning just a couple of things, what should they walk away with? Well, I think first knowing that social media is important in a deeper way than many people assume that Mm -hmm. for Gen Z and millennials, they're finding guidance and support on social media. Um, And these communities, although, you know, they might be organized around a video game or a musician or a TV show, that doesn't mean that they're just frivolous. Often, this is where they're finding the people that they can truly feel connected to and and where they're sharing their real selves. So Mm -hmm. I think one important thing just in general is to not trivialize Gen Z and millennials' use of social media and to know that there are real kind of benefits that they're getting out of social media use. It's not all bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think another is that this is where they're connecting and they're open to brands speaking to the online communities that they are a part of. Many of those are public um, and they're sharing their passions, exclusive products that speak to those passions and, and their, their shared interests are a major way that brands can tap into that. Online content that's specifically created for those groups is another. There's just many different ways that brands can tap into an online community that young people are a part of and do it in a fun way. This is so useful. Thank you so much for sharing this information. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.